Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Late Night Football Show with your host, Rohit Singh. That's me. On this show, we talk about some of the most serious, least silly topics from the world of football for your entertainment and enjoyment. Please remember that the show is BYOL. Bring your own laughs, since we don't have the budget for a studio audience. Happy listening. Hello everyone and welcome to Late Night Football. Uh, this is our match reaction episode for the United Palace game. And uh, we're all very quiet because we all watched the match and uh, we're smiling right now, but on the inside you can probably feel the anger and the tears. I think that's, uh, that's sad. But uh, we'll talk. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, there's a lot to cover. So uh, we'll get into it. I would like to welcome my guests today. Uh, they're going back on this show. Welcome back, Akash. Uh, nice to have you again. Hey. Yes, and Thank also you. welcome. Yeah, and also welcome back to Sahil. Also going back on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and and this is interesting because Akash, I had you for the transfer reaction video for Donny Van Der Beek, uh, and we talked about that yeah. about you know that was the first signing that United had made, and we talked about you know things that we, that you know to keep that momentum going to get new signings coming in that clearly hasn't happened uh, we're still waiting on a second transfer reaction video to do that hasn't happened and we'll talk about that and Sahil uh, we did the the European uh, competitions review if you remember back you know with the Champions League the Europa League we talked about that and we talked about you know where United have fallen short against Sevilla and again, the team it, there hasn't been a lot of changes to that team that started that game versus this game that I mean, you know, it, again, we, talk, we talked about all of these things that need to change, that need to happen, and none of that happened. And so, if we came to this point in the Palace game. Uh, let me start with you, Sahil. What, what was your impression of the game as a whole? What did you think went wrong? Um, so, I think we got from the game what exactly what we deserved. Nothing more, nothing less. There mm-hmm. were, like, literally no quality chances except for that one Lindelof one and the Van de Week one, which is also, like, scrapey, but it was fine. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, the players were completely off pace, which I think is a little understandable because um, this preseason was very short. Uh, Ole said that players like AWB and Mattel they didn't they couldn't play because they didn't complete enough training sessions, so there was no way for them to start today. But mm-hmm. even uh, like even then, they just like looked very demotivated. It felt like the things that are happening off the pitch might have taken an effect on the match preparations because we had like two or three field transfers this week, right? Like some place, uh, transfers we were linked to, but we didn't get them. Like mm-hmm. Thiago was there, uh, Rick Villon was there. Bale, I don't know if we were in for him, but like to an extent, but like at least a couple of them, we were definitely in for them and we didn't yeah. get them. So it's just like maybe the incompetence of the pitch kind of like disappointed the players and, you know, there wasn't real spark. It didn't feel like a like after finishing third, this should we should have started the season with a swing in our step in our steps. But then I was just like so disappointed. It felt like we were like right in the middle of a horrible run of form when we actually ended the season reasonably well. So just disappointing in general. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, let's 
you know, it's hard to talk without wanting to rant, and I'm trying so hard to control myself. Like I don't want to rant because I don't want to over overwhelm or you know overtake this conversation. But Akash, uh, let's let's talk about like, let's talk about the about the tactics, right? I mean, what did you think of the team that was put out? Do you think that was the right team that was put out? I mean, leaving aside the fact that you know there's been no transfers, whatever. Did you think that eleven was the best eleven that could have taken the field? Uh, no, I don't think so. That was the best eleven. I mean, uh, you can say uh, we didn't have like a comfortable preseason. Only one game against Villa, and that too we lost the game. So I don't know what's about Matic and Aaron Van Bissaka why they were not in the side. I mean, it could be that they were in the quarantine and couldn't feature this week. But again, I mean, if you are talking in a big, big talking with considering the bigger picture, I think this uh, should be have been a starting eleven with Aaron Van Bissaka and Matic and and. Uh, with Pogba and Bruno ahead of them. So it's basically the same squad as we ended the season, the last season. And I mean, it, it is understandable why Van de Beek didn't start. It was his first game and usually it takes time for players to settle in. But I think he did well. I, uh, I remember in the last podcast, I said when we signed him, I mean, he is a player which goes through behind the defender lines and he just try to get one, you know, like a proper side finish or something. So he, he did well. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, I am impressed with uh, McTominay. I think he was decent. Uh, and by decent, I don't mean he was like 8 out of 10 players or something. He just was yeah. 6 out of 10. And considering mm-hmm. the other players, they were like they had a horrible performance in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and talking about McTominay, because this was something that I want to talk about. I want to talk about a few individual players. Let's start with McTominay since you brought that up. Um, so, uh, I've seen a few uh, channels. I mean, I was watching that, you know, after the game. That's what normally I do is I try to look at the fan reaction, match reaction. Everybody's slating McTominay. Like, I mean, there are people who are saying that he was abysmal, and I, I, I cannot understand it. Like, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, he was an excellent yeah. world class. I'm not going. I'm not going to say that he's the second coming of Roy Keane or whatever. But out of those three that started, um, and I'll excuse Tony Manderby because he scored a goal, so technically that probably means that he had a better game. But of the three that started, I thought McTominay was the best of the three. And yet everybody's like, and I feel, yeah. and everybody's like, oh no, Pogba and Bruno probably were better than McTominay was at fault. I thought he was, I, I mean, he had a bad half, first half, but the second half he was pretty good. Like he was making tackles, he was putting passes together. I mean, you know, not, not you know, big passes, but he was doing, he was, he was all right. Um, what do you think, Sal? Do you think that's, that's fair to say that McTominay was the best of the three? Or? Yeah, I think it is fair to say because Pogba and Bruno weren't in the game at all, like at any point of time, even in a stretch of, uh, of time, like they weren't doing what they were doing uh, like a couple of months ago but I think it's a little harsh on McTominay if we say that he was abysmal because we all know his limitations as a player like he's not as good a passer as Matic so if we expect a player like McTominay to play the role Matic plays which is which is basically helping uh, the team build up uh, because Matic normally sits with um, Lindelof and Maguire and that's how we build up because Matic has a left foot and Maguire has a right foot so that's how uh, our passes come through because both have different angles and if we expect uh, Matt, uh, McTominay to play the same role I think it's a little unfair because we know that he isn't capable at least right now maybe in the future so if anything like it's not his fault that he was he didn't have a great first half but in the second half I think he was more energetic he won a few tackles he did the short passing that he does normally well like it wasn't very progressive but it was still decent like you know at least enough to keep the ball ticking around so if I think there will a lot other lot like uh, there were other players to be blamed apart from McTominay or before McTominay as such. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean that's yeah, it was just surprising. But speaking of midfield, or talk I, anybody who's seen me on any forum knows that I don't rate Pogba very highly. I mean a lot of people say Paul Pogba is world class. I don't think he's world class. I think he's a decent player. He's a good player. I'm not saying that he's like a 
you know, uh, you know, a really bad guy. I think he's a good player. I think he's overrated a little bit. That's just my opinion of watching him for four years for Manchester United. I do not know. Um, but I thought this was probably his worst game that I've seen him play for Manchester United. I may be wrong, but I thought it was the worst game. That it looked like nothing was coming off for him. I thought Bruno was bad. He was pretty, he was pretty poor, but at least he was putting some effort in, you know, trying to, you know, trying to track back. You know, the guy never called him the best defender on the pitch for whatever reason. I don't know if you guys saw that, but... Uh, Paul Pogba just looked like he, he, it looked like, if you were talking about players not being interested, it looked like he wanted to be anywhere except on that field. He, he literally was not in the game. Uh, what, what did you guys think of Paul Pogba's performance? Uh, I don't think he was good today. Uh, he was probably the worst of the lot. But that is, of course, it is uh, with his expectations also, we expect a lot from him. But again, you have to understand that he's playing in a deeper role with Solskjaer. So for me, I don't think that's his best position. Uh, he shouldn't be in that position to collect the ball from the centre-backs and like, you know, what he tries to do is just to uh, get some fancy feet and get the mo- uh, ball moving forward with the help of his strength. So, sometimes there are players which press him and he get, loses the ball in dangerous positions and which uh, ends up conceding a chance for the opposition, which was the case today. So, and not only the, uh, the passing, I mean, I was shocked with the passing of football with the United's midfield today. I mean, mm. Bruno is okay. I mean, you pass the ball, he, uh, he tracks back and he was having uh, like a sliding tackle or something to retrieve the ball back. Pogba was nowhere to be seen. I mean, I know he has been the skateboard for so many games, but this was probably his worst game or maybe one of the, one of the worst games in the, the shirt. Yeah. No, you talk, mentioned about that. I don't want to make this a Pogba show, but what do you think is Pogba's best position? Because to me, that where he's playing right now, to me, that is his best position that, at United at least. I don't think he can, get a, he can play any other position uh, like we've tried him everywhere else. I think this is probably the last chance for him to really. I think that is the best position. But what, what position do you think is best for him? See, uh, if we are the formation we are playing right now is four two three one. Yeah. So what I think is, if we play a four three three with a DM, so it gives the Pogba and Bruno Fernandes a freedom role. I mean, which we again saw uh, at the end of the last season, he was falling back, but he had Matic with him for the support. So it was not his sole responsibility to track back and. Uh, like have a cover in front of the defense. So, I don't think he should be there in this position. And he also has a tendency to lose the ball when he's getting pressured by the defenders. I know he's a bit trickery and he has quick feet and skills or something. But, you know, you don't have always like get uh, the amount of luck you always need. So, you have to be in that position where you have to like uh, look forward where your attackers are making the runs. And again, I mean, attack- attackers were like shambles today. So, yeah. I mean, I won't give him his whole blame, but yeah, I mean, the whole team was bad and he was the center of it. Yeah, no, yeah, he's definitely not the only one to blame for sure. I, yeah. I, there's no way you can say that one player was to blame for this game. This, this was a, a, t- a team performance, but in the negative sense. Uh, okay, well, we'll leave the Pogba debate aside for a second. Uh, just one thing. Uh, yeah, I think it's also there that Pogba just came back from the virus, so he probably hasn't trained enough. Because he didn't recover, like he recovered, I don't know when, but like not long ago. So yeah. maybe if he if he's just been in training like for a week, that's not ideal if, he, if you're going to start a game against a team that is already a game under their back, right? So mm-hmm. that might have been a factor, probably for all of them, but like also mainly for Pogba because I don't know if the virus took a toll on him, but it might be a factor. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, if, he has trained, uh, if he has trained less than the other players, then why were in Matic and Van Bissap in the starting line? I mean, yeah, that's also that fair. probably shows its favoritism to Pogba. I mean, because yeah, of his star status. Yeah, I think he was fit enough to start. I don't know if he was fit enough to play the full game. I think that, you know, ment- I mean, he might even have been physically fit, but mentally, you know, sometimes you, you have that sort of issue, right? That's quite possible. Um, it's not an excuse, but it is possible that that happened. Uh, 
<laughs> There's so many things to discuss. Uh, let's uh, mark. Okay, let's talk about the forwards. Uh, leaving aside everything else, and we'll talk about personnel. That is, I mean, I do not want to see Daniel James playing as a right winger ever again. If I if I could yeah. never see him again, that would not come soon enough. It, he is not a right winger. I mean, this is this is quite obvious. He's not a right winger, is he? I mean. Uh, no, I mean, he was a left winger. I mean, he plays left wing for uh, his international team. So, yeah. I have seen the international games and he was really playing well with them. Like, he likes to cut inside and move, even move drifts uh, wide. So, see, his main strength is not crossing the ball. He gets inside the box and, you know, try to find a player, maybe the far post. So, his finishing also is not up to the mark, but I won't blame him. He's just a utility player and a squad player. So, you know, like, putting too much uh, pressure on that guy is not... Uh, really good. I mean, we know we shouldn't expect a lot from him because he was just brought in as a cover because our original target was Jaden Sancho and it's it's still Jaden Sancho. I don't think we will be able to get him. I mean, I don't know what if this uh, fixture changes anything, but yeah, we'll see. We'll about talk that. about we'll talk about Jaden Sancho, the right winger. But Sail, here's a question for you: On current form, would you drop Marcus Rashford and play Daniel James as a left winger? No, because even if Rashford isn't is not in good form, I don't think Daniel James is in any better form, right? He has been in good form on the left wing for Wales and in the preseason that he played yeah. against Villa. He played very well. I, I mean, that's fair, but I don't know if we can base it off on just like one preseason friendly we played because it's not like it was a stretch of six or seven games. It was one friendly, and I didn't watch the Wales game. But then, I think Rashford has shown that he has enough quality. He's, he's I think Rashford is kind of like a confidence player. You need to like play him for a cup for some games before he gets back on track because he was not in form for a while at the start of last season, but then he. Grew into it and then he was carrying a team till uh, Martial and came back and Bruno was signed. So I don't want to say I want to drop Rashford right now. I would probably give him a, give him some games before you drop him because he's also coming back from a long injury. So and again the preseason is isn't ideal. So maybe like give him some more minutes to grow into it and then. Okay. Akash, do you agree? Uh. To some extent, I mean, I don't mind having a go with James as a left winger. I mean, we have seen what he did last season early on when he scored like three or four goals. Uh, it all came from the left left side. So, yeah. yeah, and I would also like to see if we can change the formation, like go with the wing backs and probably three at the back, because we clearly don't have quality wingers. I mean, Rashford, you can say is he's not a winger; he's an inside forward. He like gets inside, he doesn't cross the ball. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if he has to play narrow, why does not like Create a solid midfield with uh, Van de Beek, Pogba, and Bruno, and just try to settle in somewhere. But I thought Rashford did, like I think in the Crystal Palace game last season, Rashford showed that he can also play, uh, like create plays while playing a little bit wider. Because I think he has this kind of this uh, volley plays while he's on the left hand side, but then very close to the touchline, and he just like clips the ball forward for someone to run into. So he has those uh, attributes to him, but. Probably not shown it on a regular basis, but there are some glimpses that he can maybe also create uh, while hugging the touchline. Okay. Uh, just because you brought that up, this is my question for you then. If we play a back three and play wing backs, right? I think that that is a decent option, but you have to drop a midfielder to bring in a defender. But on right now, which midfielder would you drop? Because you can, you can, have, you can play a three. Yeah, basically, if you play a three-five-two, for example, uh, you would have to, assuming that one of the full backs becomes. Uh, you know, defender. Uh, who would you yeah. drop though, of, the, of the midfield three? Because you can't have Bruno, uh, Pogba, and uh, McTominay. I guess I guess one of them would have to drop out, right? Is, if I'm getting yeah. my math correct, is, is that how it would work? Or or, or you drop one of uh, Greenwood, Martial, or Rashford? 
And either you make space for a forward or you, or you drop a midfielder. So who would you drop, I guess, from those? The obvious answer is obviously probably Daniel James at this point. Um, though I think he could be a good left wing back. But yeah, but who would you drop? Uh, let's assume Greenwood is the winger. Then would you drop Greenwood or would you drop a midfielder? I think I will drop Greenwood. I mean, he has the potential, but he, we have we need options from the bench as well. Like, if you have to change the tactics in the game, so he's a game changer because you know uh, him and Van Der Beek were probably uh, like we. When you see the bench, we don't have really impact subs. But you can say we have Pereira, Lingard, but they are no, just not quality. Good. I mean, I won't even count them as a quality. You know, no. so even if you are playing as a back five or back three, what we say, so we can have like. Uh, I mean, I don't think we need a proper DM. But, this formation, we can probably have like McTominay, Pogba, and Fernandez, or maybe Van de Beek in place of Pogba. So with two forwards, Marshall and Rashford. Um, the final question on, on on both two questions now, two players to talk about on personnel. Uh, let's start with the positive one first. Uh, Timothy Foster Mensah, uh, someone who I saw four years ago. I think four years ago I saw him. Yeah, against Spurs in that game, and he was played as right back. It was amazing. I thought he had a, a really good player. We had a gem of a player. Kind of fell off the radar a little bit. Has come back. Uh, what do you make of his performance today, uh, Sahil? I think the first half was the first half wasn't that great. Second half, I think he actually put in a couple of crosses, which uh, Greenwood I think should have at least uh, tested the keeper. I think it was first mention who put in the cross. That yeah. was a good one. But again, <laughs> it's I think it's the first game where he showed that he can create. But then he's not a modern fullback, I think, unless he was hide, holding this crossing ability of his. Uh, towards the end of last season. But I don't think, Fosum, again, like like I said in the uh, preview podcast, that I don't think Fosu Mensah should be a backup right back. There should be someone else in in place of him. Yeah. I mean, he did he did well, but then I'm not sure if it's sustainable or if it's, a show, uh, if it's like a sign that he has it in him to produce it consistently. But today in the second half, I think he was, a, he was one of our main creators. Because mm-hmm. I think he put in like two or three decent balls in. So. Would you say he was the best of the back four? I mean, it's not a high bar. They didn't set a high bar. Would you say? I, I thought he was the best player of the back yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not a high bar to talk about, but I thought he was, yeah, probably. Yeah, no, he was the best of the back four. No question. Yeah. But. And that, maybe it's because we didn't expect a lot, but I think, yeah, but uh, you yeah. Know, from him. Uh, so maybe, yeah, he exceeded that. But Akash, uh, is he better? I. <sighs> Is he better offensively than uh, Van Bissaka, or do you think uh, offensively you trust uh, Van Bissaka more than Timothy? See, I, I don't think neither of them are good offensively. Uh, I think Fozo Mensa is in the side probably because of his pace. He's, I think, slightly quicker than Van Bissaka going forward, and he understands the game better in that position. I mean, in the offensive uh, position, I mean. Defensively, there is no doubt. I mean, one on one, and Van Bissaka like, probably bosses the game. So. Uh, I, I think, I mean, it's not a major thing to be concerned about. I, I know Van Bissaka has its uh, limitations, but I think his strength of the game is at the back and he should stick to it. Uh, we, don't, we shouldn't expect, shouldn't expect uh, what Trent does for Liverpool, like to get a clean assist or something. So, I, I don't think so. That's a major concern. Uh, what we should do is get a proper right winger and probably we will be like, we will look good as a side going forward. Yeah. Um, the final one to talk about. Uh, we spoke about this before. I uh, throughout the season, uh, the transfer window, there were two priorities for United. We talked about a right wing and we talked about a centre half, left side, centre half. And I think today we saw why we needed a centre half because I, 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 
Okay, let leave aside. I don't think I've seen a, a worse center half performance. I'm not even talking about Victor Lindelof. I've not seen a worse center half performance from a United center half. I, I don't I don't remember the last time that maybe when Johnny Evans was playing, maybe it was the time when I've seen a worse center half performance, a worse performance in center half. Or maybe when Eric Bay was taken off like with what for 14, 15 minutes against the <laughs> maybe. Although I don't think that was his fault. But three goals, all three were his fault. It's and this is following on from the Sevilla game where he was also at fault for for the winner. So uh, Akash, I mean. What do you do about about him? Like, was it just a bad day at the office? Is it? There are people saying that him and Maguire don't work as a partnership. I think that might be true that they don't work as a partnership. Yeah. But on, uh, but at this point, like, you just gotta have to drop someone, right? One of them, both of them can. You you just can't justify his place. He he can't justify his place in the team anymore. Can he? It it has to be Lindelof. I mean, I have been saying this. He is a decent defender. He's nothing more. I mean, you cannot ex- like you if you. Want to challenge for the title? You cannot challenge with this partnership. Is all I can say. I mean, Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire. Yeah, you don't go by the, by the price style. The 110 million million worth of centre backs, I mean, but they are absolutely crap in some part of the game. So Victor Lindelof, I think he is a bit too soft. Uh, all I mean, all I can see in today's game was he's adjusting his hair. He's probably on the left side. He's just trying to shove it to the right side. So it was probably the worst game of his United's career, I believe. And, but it is also to be seen that he was a Mourinho signing. So it's quite, you know, it's weird to see Lindelof being such a soft defender. Well, no, Mourinho is not exactly. The Mourinho <laughs> of the 2010s is not the same Mourinho of the 2000s. But uh, Sahil, uh, do you, I don't know. Do you have any comment on, on, on Lindelof's performance? Yeah, so like I was trying to think about Lindelof before the podcast and like you know, sometimes if a defender is soft, like they have a good passing range or something. Like you take John Stones for example. Like even though he's a he's not the best defender in the truest sense of the word, he is known for his passing range. But then I feel Lindelof doesn't even offer that. Harry Maguire is probably a better passer than him. So I'm just wondering, like, what exactly is his main strength? Because it's definitely not being a being a being good in the air. He gets bullied everywhere. He he doesn't have the he, he's not a strongest defender. And if he can't pass the Tuesday against Luton, might be maybe that's what. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's that's all we can hope for because I think United are not going to sign another centre half. But on that note, uh, yes, uh, uh, final question on personnel. Then, good for the next game. Would you think that uh, Fosu Mensa should be given a chance as centre half because that's kind of where he actually made his name as a centre half? Do you think he should be given a chance as centre half? Bring bring back Van Bissaka and as a right back. Do you think that is a gamble worth taking for the next game? Uh, let, let's leave us at Luton. Let's talk about Brighton because I think the Luton game is whatever happens. I think it will probably. Win or lose, that's actually a benefit for United either way. So, I don't think anybody cares. But Brighton, um, do you think Fosterman should start a centre-half and give Van Bissaka a chance to play back? Uh, or Eric Bay, but yeah. Uh, I I don't think so. Uh, I think uh, Fosterman is playing in the right-back position for a while now. So, I mean, it will be a risk to play him as a centre-back. Uh, I think Ole has promoted Kiran Mengi uh, into the mm-hmm. first team. So, I think it's yeah. a good shout to play him along with yeah. Maguire. Mm-hmm. See, because Maguire is going to play, he, he won't run Harry Maguire. Mm-hmm. So, I would probably like to see Van Bissaka, Mengi uh, and Maguire with Shaw. Yeah. Oh, we lost your uh, video there for a second. Yeah, oh. sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. Um, yeah, that's actually a good left field shot. I think yeah, I would like to see Mengi too. I think I would like to see anyone uh, aside from Lindelof in this uh, the next game based on what he played. And maybe that is good as well. We're not we're we're skateboarding Lindelof, and maybe that competition will help him as well. Maybe improve yeah. him, you know, because that's ultimately what's important. Uh, all right, we talked about personnel. We talked about uh, you know a little bit about the tactics. I think 
uh, I think we try to be as positive as we can, but let's talk a little bit about the stuff now that I think that the critical stuff, because I think this needs to be talked about and let's start with the transfers. Um, uh, Sahil, obviously not the best uh, transfer window for Manchester United. We talked about needing a right winger. We talked about needing a center half. We talked about, okay, you know, midfield was probably third priority. We got it. We probably talked about needing a left back as well. A backup left back would have been nice to have as well. Three out of the four still not done. I mean, what, 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 where, where do you think this club is going at this point? Like, what is happening? First of all, would you blame the Glazers or Edward for, for, this, for, for these negotiations? And two, where do you see this? What do you see happening now going forward? Like, what, what has gone? I mean, I don't yeah. even know what to say. Like, I, it's like I, the answer is obvious, but like, what, 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 do, what, do, what do we say about it? No, I, I think the blame 100% goes to the Glazers. There's no question about that. And I'm actually glad that Chelsea ended up spending like $200 million because it just puts things into perspective that two clubs that ended up on the same points last season, one of them literally, literally went to spend $200 million to elevate their squad completely while we are still... Like I think Aston Villa have outspent us. Like Aston Villa, who literally survived relegation by one disallowed goal, I guess, yeah. against Sheffield United, yeah. which should have gone in. Like they have, yeah, even Newcastle. Like even someone who's owned by Mike Ashley, who literally doesn't like spending at all. We've been outspent by clubs of that stature, and I think Edward Wood had a had the I don't know what like had the balls to come out and come out with the trash. He did in the in the master program where he said where he actually justified the lack of spending, which is absolutely insane. After I think Ole was probably told that he has money to spend because because um, at the start of the window, remember in that interview with um, Guy Neville, he said that he wants to go out and exploit the transfer window. So I think that probably got us excited as well because we thought that oh wow, this is this uh, the Glazers might be changing. We might see, see money spent, but then. Like even even if we end up signing all the targets we want, right? Like you know, if let's say on by October five we have Jaden Sancho, we have um, Alex Telles, for example, and a and a left for the centre back. At what cost, though? Like we still lost three points today, right? Like even uh like even when Bruno signed Bruno was signed um in in January, people were like, oh wow, we went out we went out to sign a uh, sign a midfielder in January. But then ideally he should have been he he, he should have been signed in. In, but, in August, which would have made our life much more comfortable. Like it would have, yeah. maybe we could have pushed out for second as well and challenged City for that. But then, mm-hmm. like it's just insane incompetence. I don't know if it's deliberate or not deliberate. I have a feeling that they are just taking us for fools over here. That they are just like you know the same strategy: get top first, stop spending. That's what they do, right? So yeah, and it, let's just talk about this because this is what I've read. I don't know how true this report is, but I think it, it there is some truth to it. Is that Apparently, the Glazers or, or Edward Wood likes to spend at the end of the transfer window because he feels he can negotiate that clubs will be desperate to sell and so they will get less, they get players for cheaper. It didn't happen with Maguire, it didn't happen with Bruno, but sure enough, if he wants to believe that. And the second thing that he said is that United don't like to get into comp- in, in for players which other clubs want. So essentially, any top player, they will not go in for it because other clubs want top players. Uh, again, because they don't want to get into bidding wars. I mean, Akash, this is, this is, if it is true, this is totally like, I mean, this is kind of like a bank manager talking, right? This is not a football person. This is a bank manager talking, right? Oh, you know what? I do not want to, I don't want to get into a bidding war for a product because, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to have to overspend for, 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 for a product. So, you know, I'm just going to stay back or, you know, I'll wait till the last moment to make a bid, an auction, because, you know, I'm an eBay and I'm going to steal the bid, right? Like, <laughs> Where do you, where do you go with, with you know with such owners like what's what's going on at the club? It's absolute nonsense. I mean, it's not like Jaden Sancho is in his last year of contract and Dortmund are like 
just waiting for uh, uh, some amount of cash. I mean, he still has a couple of years left. Yeah, he even yeah. extended his contract over yeah, some right. three years, right? Yeah, yeah it's, I think it's to 2023 or something, his contract. Yeah, three years, so yeah. Man. I don't think, so Dortmund are not budging on your 120 million price. So there's, that's not happening. I mean, it was known since like a couple of months now. Yeah. Uh, and like, I think there was an artificial deadline of 10th August. I mean, that's okay. I mean, it's, I mean, it's okay. One thing is to negotiate a good deal. And other thing is to wait till the end to, you know, just spray out all the nonsense which have been in the last couple of years. So I think it's just deja vu. You have seen in 2018 uh, during Mourinho's season when he got sacked and we got Fred and Dallo. I mean, there was nothing. He wanted a centre back. I mean, it's understandable. It's Jose. He's finished. But again, he wanted a player, and probably we went for Toby Adebayor, and we went on dragged on to the end, and we got nothing. And that season was a massive. You know, I don't want to use the word, but yeah. So uh, as yeah, so. Uh, I think we will spend the money now, uh, but again, as I said, at what cost? I mean, three points oh. were there for the taking. Yeah, well, I mean, it's true. The Glazers, I mean, Woodward and Glazers don't care about three points. I mean, nine points, you know, they don't mind yeah. taking points that they can say. Nine points is a drop is better than nine million drop or ten million drop, right? That's yeah. that's the way they look at it, right? I mean, it's yeah, it's it's madness, but. Okay, I mean, uh, we've got a few. Com- I think there's been a few comments from people saying that Jaden Sancho is not worth it. You guys know who I'm talking about. Probably the listeners stone, but how you know there are people, the opposition fans who go out and bet and and you know and praise the Blazers for a sound business strategy, right? I mean, you know, we know what's going on as as fans. But how do you defend something like this? Like, I mean, even if it's not Jaden Sancho, that's fine. Like, we talk about Jaden Sancho because, yeah. and I don't care if it's anybody else. I don't care if it's Mbappe for that matter. If that was the man link. Where are the other targets? Like, if it's not Jaden Sancho, what other right winger are they targeting? They're not targeting Ismail Sar, who's going to cost you fifty million pounds. Apparently, that's the price: fifty million pounds for somebody who's going to be a bench player, most likely at United. They they, they probably might would go and pay it just to make people happy. But if you're going to pay fifty million pounds for, for but what are the targets? Like, what are the left? Where are the centre back targets? Like, why are there no other alternative targets? Why are there no other alternative winger targets? This is nothing. There's no planning, is there, Sahil? Yeah, I don't think we are signing a center back. I would be very, very surprised. I think Mengi was promoted because of that. Yeah, I don't think we're Yeah, I mean, see, I don't want to discredit Mengi like that because I haven't seen Mengi at all. He might be a good player in his own right. But then, yeah, it could be a, a money-saving scheme as well. That, you know, you're promoting someone from the academy so you you don't have to go out and spend how many ever millions on, on a center back from, from the market. But then, for right-winger, <laughs> it'll be really funny if we end up signing... Um, Ivan Perisic from after all these years after Jose wanted him like I mean he's not a bad player but then is he really what we want like is he he's he's obviously not afraid on on Daniel James but then is he good enough for to lift us from all from four place competitors to possibly challenging for like second or you know for I don't want to say first first teams out of the question but like you know getting us closer from four to first like basically the aim should be to at least cut the thirty three point deficit. Deficit between us and first last season into half, right? Like yeah. that's how we want to upgrade mm-hmm. the season. Yeah. But then <laughs> I don't see it happening. Like if we send Ivan Perisic and even like any said left back, I guess. Dallas. The yeah. yeah the 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 most likely one right now seems to be Alex Dallas. But then even if he comes, that I don't know how much that elevates our squad. Like we need a marquee signing like Jadon Sancho to you know to inspire confidence all around the club. But then. <laughs> Even if he signs, it's just going to, like, I don't think the vibe at the club is that good. You know, just obvious yeah. dissatisfaction. Like, Ole just came out after the press conference saying that he, like, said clearly that he needs players. So, if he doesn't get those, or if he gets those very late, then, you know, 
it's just not ideal whatever is happening but we are in salt to enjoy dortmund 1 3 0 uh yeah. i remember correctly and guess who got yeah. assist in that game so you know you know score you know the two two goals who scored two goals and then somebody else got an assist and both of them could have been playing in manchester united yeah. they had better competition yeah you know that's that's where we are at. that's where we are at. and and you know and people will you know there there are you know and i get it you know it's, it's banter it's, it's fun you know people like to do all that but this is it's you know it's just beyond should be Like we were told that Jude Bellingham is going to Dortmund because Dortmund need money to uh, need money, and then we can because because uh, Dortmund need money for Jadon Sancho, which they're going to use to buy Jude Bellingham. So I thought we all thought it was going to be an agreement in place, but it's all gone out of the window. No, well, it's a it's disaster. Sad. It is really sad to watch it because it it's a simple thing, right? I mean, I get it. You know, some people will say hundred million. Uh, you know, the price quoted is expensive. That's you know, but you pay that. I mean, they took out. I mean. They took out a hundred and forty million pound loan in the summer, but they took it out only to pay dividends. So that dividends wouldn't. Yeah. Risk. I mean, how much yeah. more clear and transparent can someone be that we are just guys for that? Also, that we say that the price quoted is a lot, but then whose fault is that, right? Like, who went on TV and said that uh, Man United can do things only other clubs can dream of? That was that is quote, right? Yeah. Or something like that. Something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. So it's a pre- it's a precedent the club set itself, right? Like with all those insane dealings it made like over the last few years. So obviously clubs are gonna quote you more because they know all about your financial prowess. If you decide that one from one window you aren't gonna spend the uh, the money that you quote that that you used to, clubs aren't gonna take your word for it. But they know how much money you have mm-hmm. in the bank account. Yeah. But it's also not about that. It's also about having good negotiators. I mean, like ultimately, yeah, Would were just not good negotiators. They just don't know. How yeah. And, I mean, yeah. you look across the town, uh, like you look at Liverpool. Like <laughs> it's just a big contrast. Like I think Akash said yesterday that if we were going to sign Diego Jota instead of Liverpool, we would have paid like fifty-five million for him easily, fifty-five, sixty million, because that's just the reputation of the club. No, what what would have happened is that we would have they would have said we want fifty-five million, and uh, we would have been like. Well, we'll give you thirty million plus twenty million in add-ons of the yeah. Champions League. They'll be like, no, F off. Like, okay, we'll wait till the end of the window and make another bid. Liverpool would have come in, said we want Jota. Got in a day that would deal with a bid. That's how that. That's how United operate. So, but is it really like that? Because uh, there are things coming out from the Thiago deal, and they're paying twenty million upfront, but that's divided into five installments. So it's really like five million for this year, which is yeah. But usually the transfers work like that. Like I mean, you yeah. have to pay in installments. So it's yeah. a short. I mean, it's a small transfer. Like twenty million is not a big fee right that's, now. That's fine. And, uh, and yeah, and I think Glazers are using the Corona situation as a cushion, and yeah. they are just trying to lay it out in the public that they don't have the cash. But when you see the clubs like Villa, Newcastle, and even Tottenham spending a lot, like a lot means by eight, I mean hundred million, which we haven't even touched yet. So it's confusing. And and I also read a stat, interesting stat the other day, that when we are chasing top four, when we are not in the Champions League and mm-hmm. we want to get in, our net spend is one sixty million, and yeah. we when we are in the Champions League, our net spend is half of that. So yeah. I don't know why. I mean, it's clear lack of ambition. And also, like last time when it happened in 2018, it is like Jose was already having problems with the team. Right now, the team is literally on it on the up. Like there was an amazing vibe. Everyone was everyone was believing in the manager. And then you yeah. and then you go go out and do something like this. Like there's absolutely nothing to justify. Like two years ago, they could at least use the reason that Jose looked like he was done with United to as a reason to not trust him with all the money. But right now, like what is the reason? Like are you not trusting the manager after? 
he got to third yeah. is, is that for it us no rayola said you only talk about to sign a new contract you cannot get a better more positive vibe yeah I, I, exactly yeah. makes sense yeah since that a player wants to sign a contract normally it's yeah. like the other way around I, i want my player to leave so i mean yeah they they boss it i think uh, yeah there's so many points to discuss and you know we don't i mean we could probably go an hour on ranting uh, but let's talk about the future of the season i think this result for me i know it's only one game it may be ninja but i think it confirms it. there's no title challenge happening we're going to be fighting yeah. And I, and I use fighting as as a term. I, I I really don't think, but it's going to be top four or nothing this season. I, I really don't see anything else happening. Uh, but speaking of which, Everton had a great game today. I think Everton were brilliant. Oh yeah. And they're going to be. I honestly think that it's going to be a challenge just finishing seventh right now because you've got the top six probably yeah. going to finish somewhere between one to seven most likely. Um, and then you've got uh, Everton who might even be fighting in that seven bracket as well. And you've still got Wolves uh, and uh, even. Who was the other team? There's one more team that was mentioned, but yeah, there's just there's. I'm sorry, Leicester. Yes, Leicester is there as well. You got Leicester. Uh, you, I mean, it's just there's so many there's so many teams now. And even it's going to be difficult if United fall behind. You know, it would be very difficult to get back into that into that race. So, but that's my opinion, and I'm a pessimistic person by nature. <laughs> so I've been told. Uh, but what do you think? Let's assume there are no signings. I know it's a worst case scenario, but let's assume there are no signings between now and the end of the transfer window. What do you think happens? No, I think we'll definitely fight for fourth, and in my opinion, we will still finish around fourth. We probably uh, like fourth at uh, like fourth would be the position we finish in because I mean I don't think the starting eleven by itself is bad as such. Like it has a lot of quality. We need to like this was Bruno's first Premier League defeat, if I'm not wrong. I don't think he's lost before this, or maybe he's lost once, but I don't think he has. Yeah. So like that's the kind of quality we showed over. half a season which is like not a short amount of time either right so i think <laughs> i don't know i think the f- starting 11 obviously like it just comes confirms what we know right that the starting 11 when it plays it has a it has a lot of quality enough to win games on its own but then when you have key members out, out of the team like when you had matic and van persaka out and when, when you had greenwood also not starting you could see that the cracks the cracks were very very obvious right and like so i think this The, we should be able to finish fourth with the squad if we don't have a lot of injuries, which obviously is unrealistic. But then, assuming we don't have injuries, we should be competing for fourth or third. With inj- with injuries, probably a fight for fourth. But then I still think that we should be able to finish fourth because okay. I think there will be signings. Like they can't really be that shameless to not have any signings after a performance no like idea. this. You have no idea how shameless. Because <laughs> that's what always happens, right? Like you know, we go all out after there's a. There's a kick up our ass, and then they go out and like find some random players around there. Which, mm-hmm. like you know, it's all it's not confirmed good signings, but then there will be some players just yeah. for the like you know just well, to add some depth well, to the team. What will happen is tomorrow is when you wake up in the morning, you will notice that there will be like a bunch of rumors coming out. You know, they're interested in this player, that player. They've already started. That's what's going to happen. They may not be in for any of them. But that's what they're going to feed to the press. The press are going to be. You'll see that tomorrow and Monday. Though that will be what will happen. Oh, in a, probably, probably a director of football report or something. Yeah, yeah something like that is true. what they're considering. Yeah, those <laughs> things like that, things like that. But see, my concern here is that you know, if 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 Woodward had made this statement about COVID at the end of the transfer window, it's like okay, fine, you know, that's something. But he's already making it now. This is the kind of statement you come out with at the end of the transfer. Like this is the reason why we couldn't do it. But he's making it now, so he's already getting his excuses in, which kind of. Scares me, uh, but Akash, what, what do you think is going to happen uh, for this season? Um, again, it's only one game, but uh, where, do, where do you see where do you see United like now from going from here for the rest of the season? Uh, if you don't see, uh, I don't want to overreact on this defeat. Uh, yeah, we were rusty and we didn't have a good preseason, 
but if we don't make any signings i realistically i can't see us getting top 4 uh, it's simply because the other teams have improved and they are improving and they will make more signings as what i know yeah and uh, i think we will fight for the fourth place we might even get it but realistically i cannot see us getting fourth place maybe fifth and i think even spurs will be right up there with the new signings of uh, regular and bale uh, bale i don't know i mean he might have an impact you can you just have to wait and see but yeah i mean i can see us getting top four with the current squad yeah no it's it's going to be a challenge for sure yeah um, definitely it, yeah it's going to be a fight and that's a sad thing like we shouldn't be having to compete for fourth again yeah. we've been going yeah, for right it. Um, well, such are the times we live in. Uh, for next game, let's let's uh, let's ignore the Luton one. I think that there will be a lot of changes for that one. And quite frankly, if they lose, it's not a bad thing because they'll have more rest time, which is I think they need more training time and more rest time. So I don't think it's a bad thing. Though I don't want us to lose, but I don't think it's such a bad thing. Uh, but let's, let's start Brighton. Uh, what what changes do you want to say? I mean, obviously, there have to be changes. Uh, here's the thing, though. Even if anybody signs now, they're not going to play the Brighton game because they all have to go two week quarantine. So none of them are going to play, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's you know that's again think about how what kind of planning goes into these kind of things. Right? But uh, but yeah, so there's not going to be any new signings, even if there are, they're not going to play. So what changes do you want to see based on what we have? What changes do you want to see our cast in the game? Uh, first of all, uh, I want Dean Henderson to play in the goal. Okay. I mean, apart from the penalty save which was ruled out, I don't think David Tanaya was at his game. I mean, uh, hey, you can see how pass. shaky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in the, probably the first ten minutes of the game, you can see he made a. I don't know. It was a weird pass, and he apologized for that. And in, later on, also when Lindelof had hit the ball back, and he got a bit confused what to do, whether to come uh, a bit quicker or no. So I think I would like to see Henderson playing at the back. And yeah, then sorry, and I don't think he apologized. I think he was raising his hand, like you know, what the hell? Are you, he was blaming the other player. I don't think he was apologizing. He was saying he apologized, but he didn't apologize. Like his hand was like that, like. What am I supposed to do? Oh. So, but anyway, that's just a minor gripe. But I'm just yeah. Okay. Um, but Henry will probably start the Luton game, so we'll see how that one goes. Yeah. That will be one thing. Right. Um, yeah. So, so apart apart from that, I would like to see the natural back four of uh, Van Bissaka, and I would actually uh, have someone other in place of Lindelof. I, I know he will start. I I hundred percent know uh, Oliver will stick with Lindelof and Maguire. No, but I think. Yeah, you have to. He might drop him. If Mengi, I think Mengi and Bay will probably start the next game in Luton. If one of them have a good mm-hmm. game, he, he will probably drop uh, Lindelof. I think I think it's getting to that time. I think, yeah. But yeah, but who do you want to see starting in place of Lindelof? Sorry to cut you off there. I think uh, Eric Bay should start with Maguire. Okay. Uh, he has shown glimpses, but uh, it, he has been a bit unlucky with injuries is what I, will, uh, I, what I feel. So I think he deserves a shot right there. Um, yeah, he can be a bit clumsy and, you know, uh, what we say, a bit show, show-off kind of player. But yeah, I'm sorry, uh, my video, yeah. That's all right. Yeah, but I would like to see uh, Bari and Maguire a partner. So, along with Luke Shaw, the left-back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would really want Matis to be back in the this team. Yeah. So, I know it's a bit impossible to not have both Bruno and Pogba in the same team, but I would really like Van der Beek to start this game. Although I feel he will start the Luton game. Yeah, but who would you drop for Van der Beek? Uh, I would probably okay. drop Pogba, based on the current game he had today. Yeah. Yeah, and the front team would probably remain with uh, Greenwood, Marshall, Rashford. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sahil, do you agree? Uh, do you agree with the changes or? Yeah, I mean, I would try to go back to the best eleven from uh, post post restart from last season. So 
Van Bissak in front of in place of Forster Mensha and uh, Martin Patterson place of McTominay and probably Greenwood in place of Dan James. But then I don't know. Would you keep Lindelof or do you take him off? No, I, I would. I would take Lindelof off and get him Eric Bailly also. But then, so right, I I kind of agree with uh, Akash about the Gea as well because. Because Brighton are a much more aggressive team, at least like Palace, you know, they set in a low block and stuff. Uh, Brighton will be coming for De Gea for every mistake he makes. Like the pass he made was absolutely shocking in the first half. And that's not something that was a one-off. Like we could really expect De Gea to make one of those almost every game. And also like, you know, coming when he was uh, coming out to uh, sweep the ball away, he wasn't very confident, which obviously it's not his national team. Yeah. And, but yeah, I mean, but I would probably still stick with De Gea for this game. Like, you know, just to see how it, how it goes, and then, but I would probably keep uh, Pogba and Bruno in the game though if they've recovered well. They look very very jaded though, so I'm not sure if they have enough in them left right now. Like it's very very concerning that two of our best midfielders are so tired at this in the first game of the season. It doesn't really paint a good picture, but but probably keep with them because they would. Um, I don't think they would be in, involved with Luton at all. At least I hope they aren't. So they should have a good week's rest and they should be back. Firing. Yeah, the Luton game will be interesting from that to see who starts and who yeah. doesn't. And if somebody, if a few players put in good performances, then what happens to the first? Yeah, I, I would assume Fred is going to start the Luton game. Fred, uh, McTominay, and Van der Beek. That should be a something different yeah. to see in that midfield. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, we'll see who the midfield is. I mean, I don't know if McTominay. He played ninety minutes. So I don't know if they're going to risk him playing Luton or they'll rest him for yeah. the. It, yeah, that's fair. Maybe that's it will be Fred Matic because Matic will need some game time, so it might be Matic. Yeah. I think uh, people are forgetting Jesse Lingard and Pereira. Okay. <laughs> with us. Oh, yeah. um, no, he I think Lingard or Pereira, one of them will probably start in up front. I think it will yeah. be James, Ghalo and uh, Lingard. I think that will be the front uh, three. And that yeah. probably will be the front three for the Luton game. Uh, beyond that, I, it's just I think Lingard has become has fashion in some as this like defensive forward. So if you if you need someone to lock down, uh, you know, once one wing, I think he's good at that. He's he's got a, mm-hmm. uh, you know what? For to be honest, I think most people now prefer Lingard over Mata and Pepe because I think he offers. Oh a yeah, Mata's also there. Mata's there, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mata, right? Um, so yeah, there's so much, so many players there that have no future at the club, and there's no effort made to take them out. But anyway, I mean, that's you know, that we've we've gone ad nauseum. We haven't even touched on the players who are supposed to leave. I mean, that's where the money was supposed to come in, right? And we haven't even talked about we weren't talking about deals that have not been done to bring players and we haven't even talked about deals of players for players. I think it's important we keep those players if we aren't having players coming in because it's a very short season, right? It's a very cramped season, so we need as many legs legs as possible to play all these like stupid um EFL Cup games and all that. You don't wanna lose them right now. I would like to win a trophy. I mean, it would be a huge boost to the team. I mean the team isn't experienced enough with the trophies, so it will be good if he can win this. Yeah, I think we have enough depth. I mean, in terms of like squad players, we have enough depth to bring. I don't think we're going to be in a situation where we won't have players to put out. The players, no, not the, the level, obviously. The level is not good enough. And I think that's where it needs to improve. But I think we have, I think there are, good enough, there are enough good players at United to be able to cover situations. But that's that's the issue, right? We want players. But then, like, I, I was talking that at last season, at times in the even the Europa League, you felt like you really couldn't select players from the bench because they weren't that good. So like at least you want those, you want to rest your Pogba's and Bruno's to not play like you know an FA Cup third round or an FA Cup fourth round against some team from the Championship, right? So absolutely, that's that's yeah. what's needed. I mean, right now you know that there are certain players you can bring on if you're leading two 0 three 0 Yeah. When you're down one 0 who do you bring on? Uh, but anyway, I think thank you very much. I think we've gone quite a little bit over time than what I expected. But I know it always happens when you lose, right? There's always uh, things that you want to 
get off your chest. You want to talk about this? This loss has been coming, by the way. Like I, I know yeah. there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, we'll probably win it. But I thought, no, you know, there's there is a chance that this will be lost just because the way things have been going this whole week. It's been a really, really sad, you know, one hit after the other. You yeah. know, and it, it affects it affects players. You know, we may think that it doesn't, but it does affect. It affects fans. It affects. Uh, fans. It's not even surprising anymore. I mean, yeah, you can feel disappointed, but you won't be hurt. Like it's just banter football. I mean, you can expect these performances every now and then. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part, like being disappointed but not surprised. Like you're just used to it happening. So yeah, it's like we are turning into Arsenal or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, the last little shit at Arsenal there. <laughs> they're, 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 they're on the up and up, I think. I, I'm not, uh, yeah, yeah, I think they are playing good. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much, Akash. Thank you so much, Sahil, uh, for joining me today. I know it's been a little bit of a tough day, but thank you for so much for doing the the show. I uh, really appreciate your insight and comments. Uh, and it's very nice that you guys validated my thoughts. You know, that's always nice. It's always good to feel uh, valued. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But thank you so much uh, for being here today. Uh, all the best for the future ma- for the games uh, next week, Luton and Brighton. We'll see how that those two go. Uh, and hopefully it will be a much more positive match reaction when we do it the next time. Uh, so thank you so much, guys, for joining. Please remember to like the video if you enjoyed this analysis. I uh, really appreciate that. We also want to uh, ask you to subscribe if you're new. Uh, we need just getting close to 70 subscribers so help us cross that mark by subscribing to the channel if uh, you know if you enjoyed the show and if you enjoyed our episodes we'll keep producing more of that and uh, obviously if you do subscribe you can always get Akash and Sahil back then because we know that uh, you know they're, they're, uh, they'll be they'll feel appreciated as well so uh, please do that as well thank you so much guys for joining and uh, we'll see you again soon have a good rest of your weekend bye-bye Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to that episode of Late Night Football. We need your help to grow this channel, so if you've been enjoying the show thus far, please do like and subscribe to this channel and share it with your friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, drinking buddies, fellow football fans, and anybody else you know or don't know. We really appreciate it. Uh, Please also follow us on Twitter and Facebook via the links in the description below and spread the word about us. Take care. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.